Colleagues, welcome back to the office. We're going to get started with our presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I have a couple of brief announcements to share with you. First, if you're watching our course live, please note that we'll confirm your engagement through polling questions uh, that you can respond to. Polling questions will occur about every 12 to 20 minutes, and please keep an eye out for them because they might not be announced. If you're watching after the fact, it's a self-study course, you will confirm your participation and engagement with our course today through a brief quiz that you'll complete on cpetoday.com after watching or listening to our presentation today. Your completion certificate will be sent to you by email. As long as you respond to 75% of the polling questions, if you're watching live, you will receive full credit for today's course. If you're watching after the fact as a self-study course, please note your certificate will be available to you immediately after passing the course quiz. We'd love to know what you think of our content and of our presentation today. If you wouldn't mind completing our course evaluation to provide your thoughts and feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, your feedback is used to help produce better and more insightful courses for you to consume in the future. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. If you're watching live, feel free to use the chat dialog box to ask your questions to the presenter. And if you're watching after the fact, you can send us an email at support at cpetoday.com and we'll follow up with you as quickly as we possibly can. As a reminder, the CPE Today podcast is available as a joint effort between CPE Today and K2. Twice a week, we're bringing you the latest and greatest in technology, accounting, business knowledge, and more. You can watch for free on cpetoday.com, YouTube, or Facebook. If you can't make the live presentation, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and listen to the show on your own time. All of our podcasts are eligible for CPE credit. After watching or listening, you just head over to cpetoday.com. You complete a short five-question quiz, and you'll earn a credit for watching or listening. Now, if you've never tried one of our classes before, how about you try one on us risk-free? You can use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to make any podcast course of your choosing 100% free. We're going to get started here with our presentation. And again, thank you so much for being here. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, welcome. I want to first, before we do anything, acknowledge you and really say I appreciate you stepping away from working in your business, doing the things to serve your clients, to be able to help them, the back office things to keep you operational, and joining us today to work on your business, which is getting tips, insights, one advanced action step to be able to raise the bar of what you do for your clients and also be able to increase the value of your firm. So thank you so much for joining us today. And today's topic is critical steps to raise your rates without losing clients. So many accounting professionals, you do meaningful work. I've seen that over and over and over again about the difference that your work makes for your clients when they have the insights regarding their financials. But too often, your rates don't reflect the value of the services that you offer. So that is part of what we want to really take that deep dive into today and be able to give you some tips on how to be able to correct that. If you find that you meet with clients especially during those free initial consultations. And those free initial consultations turn into pick your brain sessions, or possibly you are doing services for your clients, but you're not charging for them because you don't know how to be able to invoice them or what the fees ought to be for that. 
or possibly your legacy clients remain at their old original rates, whereas your current clients are at a different rate, then you are absolutely in the right place. Steve, go ahead and introduce yourself. Lauren, I'd love to. So hi, my name is Steve Fogelman. Uh, as you can see by the last name, Lauren and I are related. Uh, we have been together for quite a while, working together and married. Um, I am a therapist turned business coach, and I'm going to be your co-host. So I will be working the chat, the Q&A. And if you have any questions, when we do our poll questions, uh, please go ahead and ask those questions to me, and I'll get those questions over to Lauren. Lauren, back to you. Thank you. A little bit about me is I'm a sports psychologist turned business coach. And what I have found is there's so many similarities between athletes and firm owners. And then there's a couple, like three differences that I've really noticed. Uh, one is that athletes wear different uniforms than accounting professionals too. Two is that they are aiming for different numbers than you are. And the third thing is that athletes from the very beginning, peewees, have someone on the outside that is mentoring, coaching, training, giving them tips on how to be able to achieve their peak performance as quickly as possible. Whereas firm owners, we love helping our clients, but asking for help is a little bit more difficult. And because of that, we are able to achieve what we want on our own, but it might take a little bit longer because we're figuring it out instead of getting some outside guidance to help us with that. So those are the three differences that I see with between athletes and firm owners is that we wear different uniforms, we're aiming for different numbers, and a lot of times we don't really ask for help, we try to figure it out ourselves. As you can see from 2018 to 2022, I have been named as one of the top 22 business coaches by HubSpot, and that is my Amazon number one best-selling book, The Success Solution. Our education has given us a theory, the know-how, the practice to be able to do what we do really, really well. And so often, especially when you're going through the school of business, you don't understand how to be able to enroll new clients. In fact, they'll have an entire marketing department, but they won't even have one thing on how to be able to be a business owner, whether it's enrolling clients and having those conversations, how to price your services or how to communicate your value. So they do a great job with giving you the skill set you need to do what you do really, really well, but they are also preparing you to be an employee instead of a firm owner or employer. What we're going to cover today is the number one profit solution, the formula and convert existing clients. I will absolutely give you as much as I possibly can in our short period of time together today. If you're interested in knowing more, how to be able to actually get this done, then I will share as we wrap up how to be able to help get some support with getting this implemented. Well, Lauren, what are the steps to increase income without working additional hours? These are actually the five steps from the Raise Your Rates formula, which I teach over and over again in classes, as well as with my private coaching clients. And I just want to give you a quick overview because just having some insights will allow you to start implementing this and be able to raise the bar with the level of services you offer in your firm as well. The very first step is high value clients because you're going to end up in the beginning with a wide range of clients and 
if we understand what appeals to a higher value client, then we're able to really get focused out in and attract more of those high value clients into your firm because they are usually the ones who are a dream to work with. Number two is then communicate your value. We want to know the words, the phrases, what is top of mind for those higher value clients in order to be able to have the words to communicate them and attract more of those clients to you. Number three is package your services. This is where you might go to the service page on someone's website. You see a long laundry list of all the different services that that accounting firm offers. And what we want to do is get away from that long laundry list of a la carte services and create packages or bundles that focus on the specific things that matter most to your clients. So this starts to separate your fees from time. Number four is value pricing. This is what we're taking a deep dive into today. When you are value pricing, you're actually looking at pricing from your client's perspective and what's important to them instead of your perspective and what matters most to you as a firm owner. By looking at pricing from their perspective and what they care about, you're actually able to earn two to three times more than what you're currently charging your clients. And I will give you the exact steps on how to do that as we are in section two today. And then number five is consultation mastery. If you are meeting with clients for that initial free consultation and you find that you don't really like it because you feel like it's sales and you don't want to pressure anybody into working with you, then you want to understand how to have what I call a value conversation instead of a sales pitch. And by doing that, your clients naturally ask, how can I work with you? So those are the five steps. The raise your rates formula is high value clients, communicate your value, package your service, value pricing, and consultation mastery. Well, that's great, Lauren. So let's go ahead and get started. The first thing we're going to be looking at is the number one profit solution. But before we do that, we have our first poll question. And if we can get there, it is. Rate your pricing confidence. I am highly satisfied with my rates. I'm afraid to raise my rates. I get paid a little and I work a lot. Once again, rate your pricing confidence. Highly satisfied with my rates. Afraid to raise my rates. Or I get paid a little and I work a lot. And uh, this would be a great time. If you do have a question, please go ahead and put that in the chat or to the Q&A, and I'll be sure to get those questions over to Lauren. And looks like we're just about closing out our poll. So um, what we have is I'm highly satisfied with my rates is 33%. I'm afraid to raise my rates is 67%. And I get paid a little and I work a lot is 0%. Wow, good, good group. So Lauren, you know, often there's... Um, uh, an internal resistance between first thinking about raising your rates and then actually doing it, especially with those legacy clients. Why does this happen and what can you do about it? Well, so often I believe that we first had to connect with something or maybe think something through and see another perspective. Otherwise we hold ourselves back. So there's a lot of mindset when it comes to your prices and how you're going to be able to approach that, whether you're raising your rates, whether you're not raising your rates, how long you think about it before you actually raise your rates. And some of the things that come up when you're thinking about increasing your rates is that, will people really pay that much? I can't charge that much. Nobody else in my area does that. 
Or if I raise my rates, then I'm going to go ahead and lose clients. I don't have enough credentials behind my name in order to charge that much. Or maybe I haven't had my own firm for that long. How can I charge those rates? Another one is that my competitors are charging less than what I am. And I'm concerned that if my clients found out, they would leave and go with somebody else instead. So those are some of the things to think about is that a lot of times we have thoughts that hold us back. As a result, we think about raising our rates for sometimes months, if not years or forever before we actually do so. And it's about really being able to understand that there are many different perspectives about pricing and finding one that works well for you in order for you to remove that resistance and be able to start higher fees that actually reflect the value of the services that you offer your clients. Well, accounting professionals, you know, they're really, really hard workers, which of course we know. What are the common options for increasing profits? Well, there's primarily three that I'm aware of. One is that you can work with more clients. So this is really about adding more clients in in order to be able to increase your revenues. The other one is that you can be more lean. Maybe there's things that you can cut out or you're paying an employee or someone to do that now and you can take it back on yourself, which means that it's going to actually then add to your workload and take time away from something else, including possibly personal time. And then the third thing is being able to raise your rates. Now, I know that if you take on more clients, then it's not a one-to-one. -one. There's some expenses involved in that as well. If you're cutting costs, that means that there's more going to be added to your own plate or workload. You're going to be maxing out yourself. And if you have any staff, you might be maxing out your staff's capacity as well. And the one that is actually going to be contributing most to the profitability is going ahead and raising rates. Well, what do we need to consider about our clients? Think about when you first started your firm. You probably took everybody because you needed some cash flow. You needed the validation that people saw what you had to do was worthy and they wanted to be able to sign on with you. As a result of that, you worked with a wide range of clients from low value to high value. And because of that, you realize that some clients are a joy to work with and others, you get a communication from them and it just throws off your whole day, raises your anxiety levels, and you just find that you can't focus as well as when you before you saw that communication. And I'm going to go ahead and just put in the chat about what are some of the qualities that your low-value clients share. would love to hear from you. What are some of those qualities of low-value clients? But some of the things that I see is that low-value clients are late for everything. They are late paying your invoices. They are late showing up for meetings. They're late responding to communications from you. And that also they might treat you like an employee instead of an, a contract worker or someone that they're hiring you to do a particular service for them. Or maybe they treat you great, but they treat your staff like employees. So mm -hmm. those are some of the qualities of low value clients. And then on the flip side, there are those high quality clients, the ones that are a dream to work with. And with them, they respect you. They reach out to you to get your insights before they make some decisions regarding their business. Maybe they are also... Um, 
quick to respond to your communications. They are really valuing what it is that you do for them. They recognize the importance of having accurate financials, of being able to file their taxes on time, being accurate with knowing what their numbers are. So those are the differences. You have a wide range of clients from low value to high value. And what we want to do is really add more of those high value quality clients to your firm in order to be firmly on the path to having a dream firm. Well, you know, value is sometimes really difficult to describe it, especially when it comes to pricing. What is the metric that you use to calculate? Oh, well, actually, I'm going to go to that in just a moment, Steve. Uh, what okay. I do want to do is go a little bit more into the client value, mm -hmm. where when you're thinking, and this is just another way of looking at the same thing, when you're looking at low value clients, it's kind of like the factory model, where you're cranking out those 1099s in January, or you're doing a thousand returns during tax season, which with you and your small staff. So you're really focusing on the numbers in order to meet your revenue needs. With the high value clients, you don't need as many clients to be able to meet your revenue needs because they are higher paying clients. And as a result of that, it lets you focus on the relationship. You're able to do advisory services with them. You can do tax strategy with them. You can do more of giving them insights in order for them to make better decisions in their business because of the fact that you actually know your clients and you're working more closely with them in an advisory capacity as opposed to simply a compliance capacity. So that's something to think about is if you're really aiming for low value clients, then you're gonna go with that factory model. If you wanna build your firm with more high value clients, then you're working more closely with them and it's more of a concierge service. So Steve, can you say that question again, um, just so I get it right? Sure. Um, hang on just one minute. Okay, I, I caught you off guard, is that it? You did, you did, I just flipped the page. <laughs> you, you were asking about client so, yeah. revenues, So value, value is difficult, value is sometimes difficult to describe when it comes to pricing. What's the metric that you use to calculate? Mm -hmm. what, what you really want to think about is, what is the revenues that you want to bring in per year for your firm? And then look at your clients and figure out what is the value of a client over the course of 12 months. And based on what they're currently paying you, that average value of a client, how many clients do you need in order to meet your revenue needs? And is it a realistic number? Are you happy with that number? Is it maybe that you need more clients than really what you have capacity for? And that means that we need to look at your pricing and your rates in order to be able to have a firm that supports your lifestyle, as opposed to one where you're working too many hours because your rates are too low. So once again, look at all your clients, look at how, how much the uh, value of a client is over the course of a year. You're gonna also be able to come up with the average value of a client and look at that compared to what you want your revenue needs to be. And that's gonna give you some insights as to how many clients you ought to be working with. Well, what are the benefits of raising the value of a client? So these are some of the things just to think about along the way, if you're looking to increase the value of a client, working with clients more closely, not just the compliance side, but also adding in some of the 
parts where they see you as a resource, an expert. They want to get your input before they make some decisions. Is first of all, it goes from being transactional, and now it's about the relationship. And the relationship is something that your clients highly value. Nobody wants to be a transaction, just adding someone's revenues at the end of the month. We, we want to be working with people who we know understand who we are. They, they know what's important to us. So the relationship aspect is very, very important. And you want to look at how to be more client-centered. The other thing to look at is when you're working with clients more closely because you're raising the value, you're able to understand what's important to them and help them have the insights in order to be able to achieve those specific results. As because the fact that you're working more closely with them and you're able to do more consulting with them, it means that you're able to also charge higher fees because now it's no longer solely compliance, but it's starting to move your relationship into an advisory service. The fourth thing to look at is when you're working more closely with clients and it's more about the advisory and the strategy to help them achieve what's important to them, this means that your clients are more loyal to the you. You're not going to have as much churn or turnover. And then the last thing to look at is that when you're working with clients more closely, they stay with you longer, they're paying you higher, higher fees. That means that we have ramped up the client's lifetime value during the course that they're working with you. So those are some of the things to think about as you're moving in this direction of raising your rates to reflect the value of what you have to offer and working with higher quality clients. When I first connected with Karen, she was working a lot of hours. And even though she had a staff, she had a lot on her plate that she could have delegated and didn't really know how to. So what we did is we looked at her workload, the things that only she could be doing in her firm that her staff couldn't be doing, how to be able to adjust her fees to reflect that higher level of services. And as a result of that, she was able to go ahead and charge triple her rates, but also she was able to get back her personal time. The one thing that I love that happened as a result of her making these changes in her firm was that she was able to finally buy her dream home. And her dream home was a home that was built in the 18th century. So it was a turn of the century home, but not the last century, the previous one, the 18th century, and that it needs to be fully renovated. And that was the part that was exciting is that she needed to just gut that place and fully renovate it to get it up to period. And that was so exciting for her because it was like a passion project. So think about if you were able to do something that was really meaningful for you because your firm supported and raised your quality of life instead of taking from it, what would that thing be for you? And this is one of the things that Karen and I did is we went ahead and we created her packages. So she had a silver, gold, and diamond level packages. This allowed her to separate her fees and time. It also allowed her to contain the scope of work that she was doing for her clients because the scope for each package is very clearly defined. And it allowed her to really develop her niche, which tends to be with attorneys. So not only did we go ahead and increase her rates, we packaged her services because that meant that the more efficient she became in doing that particular scope of work, went ahead and made each client more profitable as well. Well, we're going to move forward, Lauren. We're going to look at the formula, which I actually like that. 
but we have our next poll question. So how do you charge your clients? Is it hourly rate, flat fee, value pricing, or a combination? Once again, how do you charge your clients? Is it hourly rate, flat fee, value pricing, or a combination? And while and, we're getting back, I did get a question from Monty. He wanted great, me to expand great. a little bit more about consultation mastery. So first of all, Monty, thank you for asking the questions. And basically what I see about consultation mastery is really when you're meeting with those clients for that initial consult, you're focusing more on questions that uh, um, matter to them. It's not just about how many transactions you have a month, uh, how much you paid in taxes and what you would like to do to be able to be on top of that. Uh, it's not about how many bank accounts you have or the revenues. It's not just about the things that you need, but it's really focusing on things that they need. And I'm actually going to go ahead and answer that a little bit more in this section as well. So it's asking very specific questions that they care about. And that's how they see you as more of that consultant as opposed to just the compliance side of what you do. Well, let's go through the polls. Uh -huh. So, um, how do you charge your clients? Hourly rate is 33%. Uh, flat fee is 33%. Value pricing is 0%. And a combination is 33%. Something to think about as you're starting to consider value pricing, what your rates ought to be, how to be able to price it according to what the client values instead of you. This is the essence of value pricing, is the client needs to believe that what they have to gain from engaging your services is greater than the fees that they're paying for your service. So once again, the client needs to believe that what they have to gain from working with you is greater than the fees that they are paying you. And that goes right to the essence of value pricing. Well, what does it mean when you say 5% leads to 22%? Studies have shown that if you increase your rate, even by a small 5% increase, which is typical for what a lot of accounting firm, firms do on a year-to-year -year basis when they are regularly increasing rates. So a small 5% increase ought to contribute to a 25% increase in your profit margin. So that's how 5% leads to 22%. 5% increase or to be a 22% increase in your profit margin. Hmm. Well, determining value can be confusing. What things do clients really need to consider when deciding to hire your firm? This is similar to what we were talking about with the consultation mastery when initially meeting with a client. Part of what they are considering are three things, quality, service, and cost. As you can see, cost is on the bottom of the equation. So when you think about quality, quality is about that relationship that you're having with your client. Are you a client-centered firm? And something to think about, I would love for you to put in the chat as a response, is what are some of the qualities of your high-value clients? Would love to know what those qualities are. But those high-value clients really care about the relationship and if they can reach out to you with questions, it, how quickly you respond. If they are asking you things which seem elementary to you, but are basic to them, and that you're going ahead and teaching them how to understand the financials and how to have 
a better uh, tax strategy to avoid the penalties, the late payments, or overpaying in taxes. So they want to know that they aren't just a number, but that they that but that you're actually thinking about them and you care about them getting the best results possible. And then the next part is the service. The service is that they really trust you to have the skill set, the insights, and the abilities to deliver on what they're hiring you to do. So the service is that they're hiring you for a different, a specific thing. They want to trust that you're going to deliver on what they're hiring you to do and that you're going to do it in a timely manner as agreed upon. So those are the two things that clients highly care about is the relationship, which is the quality, and the service that you're going to deliver on what they're hiring you to do in a timely manner. And then cost is number three on the equation. But the thing to think about with cost is that all of us, we want the best for what we can afford or what's within our budget. We want the absolute best out of all the options for what is within our budget and what we can afford. So that is something to think about. And the only clients that tend to prioritize cost over quality and service are the ones that tend to be price sensitive and want as much from you as possible while they're paying as low rates as possible as well. So once again, the majority of clients are looking at quality and service first, and then they're also considering cost because they want the best possible for their budget. And then the only ones that prioritize cost over quality and service are the ones who are price sensitive. Well, sometimes, you know, you're uncertain about how to communicate your value. Do you have any insights on how to do that? This is when you're meeting with clients for that initial free consult and you want to do more consultation mastery, or maybe meeting with a current client and you're going to have a conversation about your rates and how you're going to work with them. So some things to think about is when you're meeting with them, whether it's a new client or a current client, first, you want to understand their challenges. What is that's going on with them that has them want to engage your services or consider engaging your services? So what is top of mind for them that they've been dealing with, that they're frustrated about, that they don't know how to address or resolve, and it's holding them back? So you want to be able to understand that. And then what you want to do as you're listening to that is be able to think about how you can approach that and solve that concern for your client. And that's where you want to educate them about the solutions and if you were to work closely together with them. So when you are understanding their challenges and you're connecting solutions that you can offer to be able to resolve those things, then they see the value of working with you and engaging your firm instead of some other, other instead of some other option and as a result of that, they are not as price sensitive. So that is the essence of a value conversation is asking great questions to understand the challenges, educating them about the solution. And then as a result of that, they will see the value of engaging your firm. Well, Lauren, what you shared goes into the mindset about pricing and buying decisions. Many of our clients want to earn more, but they're really unsure how to start. What do you recommend to start separating their fees from time and to help them transition to value pricing? Well, think about when you first learned how to ride a bicycle. In the beginning, you might've been very, very shaky. In fact, you probably fell over and skimmed your knee. And 
That's why a lot of times they have training wheels on bicycles so that you're getting a sense of it. You're kind of getting uh, familiar with how to balance and everything like that before you take the training wheels off. Well, this is the first steps to value pricing. It's kind of like having the training wheels on a bicycle as you're learning how to ride a bicycle before we take them off. And I call this good, better, best pricing. And what you want to do is you're going to have new clients coming to you and go ahead and figure out what that fixed monthly fee would be that you would initially charge them. And once you have that fixed fee, I want you to go ahead and multiply it by 1.5. That's going to be your new good rate. Enroll three clients at that new good rate. That's 1.5 higher than what you initially would have charged. After you've done that, then we go to tier two, which is now your new better rate. Once again, you're going to have clients come into you, come up with that original fixed fee that you would have charged. And now we're going to go ahead and multiply 2x. This means that you're earning double what you originally would have earned, no additional time spent working. So you will now enroll three clients at this new better rate. And after you enroll those three clients, we're going to go to tier three, which is your new best rate. Once again, people will be coming to you. Go ahead, figure out that original fixed fee you would have charged. Now you're going to go ahead and multiply it by 3x. I'm going to let you know multiplying it by three takes courage, not confidence. The confidence comes later. But as a result of having gone through these tiers of the good, better, best, You've gained more insight into how to have that value conversation with potential clients. You understand what questions might be coming up that you can now confidently answer for them. You don't need as many clients to meet your revenue needs because they're paying you now three times more than what you originally would have charged without any additional time spent working. So that is the good, better, best pricing model to begin transitioning into value pricing. And at some point, we're going to need to recalibrate your rates. That means that the best will now go to the good and you'll go through the good, better, best metric all over again. So those are the first steps to value pricing. With Susan, she is very uncomfortable with talking about her fees. She just wants to have everybody that she meets with enroll into her services because she had the factory model. As a result of having low rates, and working a lot of hours, it took a toll on her. She burned out because she was working seven days a week, 70 hours a week. And it was consistent week in, week out. It wasn't sustainable. So what we did is we went through that very metric that I was teaching about with the raise your rates formula, and we were able to apply it. And I want to go ahead and bring your attention to cleanup number one. She had someone reach out to her that wanted their books cleaned up, she initially would have just calculated how much time by her hourly rate and charged $1,500. And she always under, underestimated the scope of the project. We had a brief conversation about the value from the client's point of view and what it would mean for them to have accurate books and insights into their financials and their cash flow. And we went ahead and priced the project at $7,900. Now, when she had this conversation with this client, she was shaking in her boots because she was nervous. She didn't have the confidence yet, but she had the courage to change things because the way that her business was now set up wasn't sustainable any longer. So she followed the step-by-step 
guidance that I gave her of knowing exactly what questions to ask, how to talk about the options of how to work together, discuss the pricing, and actually how to have them pay her before she actually did the work. As a result of that, they said yes to the package. They went ahead and paid her the $7,900 in full before she even started the project. As a result of this, she was able to realize that clients weren't as price sensitive as she initially thought that they were. So she started raising the prices on her new clients coming in, as well as going back to old clients as well. Just from this Excel spreadsheet that she shared with me, you can see she bought an additional $56,000 in about nine months. But not only that, she cut back from that seven-day, 70-hour work week down to three days, 20 hours a week. And that was the game changer for her. It's not only was she making more money, but she was able to get back her personal time as well. So think about that for you. If you were able to get back your personal time and be able to grow your bank account, what would you be doing differently that you can't do right now? Well, Lauren, you know, you you talking about um, value pricing, but before we get into the final section, I've been getting some private messages about how to implement value pricing. And I know that we have a great resource. Do you want to share that? Absolutely. If you want to be able to start with that good, better, best pricing that I just shared and be able to also start packaging your services to start separating your fees and time, then I have a free resource to be able to start packaging and pricing your services. You can go to businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash package and grab that free resource on how to start separating your fees and time. Once again, it's businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash package. And I went ahead and put that in the chat as well. Great, thank you. Mm -hmm. So before we get into the last section, uh, we're actually going to be looking at converting existing clients. We do have our next poll question. Uh, so how often do you raise your rates? I uh, do it more than once per year. I do it annually or I do it less than once per year. Once again, how often do you raise your rates? More than once per year, annually or less than once per year. And like I said, if you have any questions, please go ahead and put them into the chat for me. And Lauren, um, I have a question that did come in. Mm -hmm. um, who do you start with first? Do you start with new clients or do you start with current clients in raising their rates? Mm -hmm. when, when you think about raising rates, I would say 75% of my clients are going to new clients and starting with them because they don't have any history with you. So they're more like a blank state slate about how you work. And it's easy to start out with them because of the fact that they haven't been at one rate and now you're trying to increase them. But it also gives you more comfort and practice with having that value conversation to be able to have them see the value of working with you and why they ought to engage with your firm. And then the other 25% start with their older or their legacy clients because they're at capacity in their firm. They don't want new clients coming in or they don't want that many. And so they need to go back to their, cur their current clients, especially the legacy ones who are at their original rates and get them up to the new pricing. So once again, most accounting firms I see start with new clients because it's easier. There's less resistance or pushback. They don't have any history with you. The other 25% who might be at capacity are going to their current clients 
and getting the current clients up to their new rates. Well, let's go ahead and share the results. So yep. how often do you raise your rates? Uh, more than once per year is actually zero. Annually is 33%. And less than once per year is 67%. And I did go ahead great, and put in the chat. Great. would love to know from you, what do you see as some of the top objections that you get from clients if you were to raise the rates? Would love to hear that from you. And this one's yours. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Uh, what, one, one of the things to look at is that we worry about clients moving away to some other option, some other firm, if you go ahead and raise your rates. But statistically, it has been shown that trust and loyalty really can't matter a lot with your clients. They're not as price sensitive as you think they are. Because of that, if you raise your rates, 82% of your clients, if not more, I've seen as high as 100%, but 82% of your clients on average will continue to work with you because of the fact that they trust you to deliver on what they're hiring you to do and you have a relationship with them. Once again, it goes back to what I said with clients and what they consider, that they consider the relationship, how client-centered you are, how much they enjoy working with you, that you care about them, you know them and what's important to them as well as you being able to give them the information they need regarding their financials, business insights, and those things are more important than, more important than the pricing. So they're not as price sensitive as you think they are. 82% will stick with you. Well, accounting professionals, you know, they often want to raise their rates for months and sometimes even for years before they actually so do true. it. I know. How do you successfully transition your clients to your new prices? Now, if you want to go back to your legacy clients, to your current clients, get them up to your new rates, I'm going to go ahead and share the five steps on how to do that and how I take my clients through this process. But the very first thing is somehow you need to communicate to them that you are making some changes in your firm. You want to make it client-centered. You don't want to share with them about how your costs have increased so you're passing it on to them because they've had that experience also. You want to make it about the fact that you're doing some, you're making some changes in your firm in order to be able to improve the quality of the client relationship. So you some, either want to send them something by mail or by email. Most of my clients are sending an email at this point about the fact they make some changes in your firm and you want to explain that to them. After that, you want to go ahead and get a conversation on the calendar. If you're going to be raising their rates a significant amount, then you want to have it be by a conversation in order to be able to help them understand why you're doing this. What are some of the changes that you're making that will be a benefit to them? So if you have someone in your firm that can do this for you, I'd rather you have an assistant reach out and schedule those meetings with you instead of you doing. But if you are a solo firm owner, then go ahead, reach out to your clients and get something on the calendar to have a value conversation. Now, this is where you're actually having the meeting. You're having that value conversation. This is the consultation mastery. And you're going to be asking specific questions that focus on their needs, their wants, and their desires. This means that you want to understand what are the essentials that they need 
in order to be able to maintain their business as it currently is, in order to be able to have better insights into their firm's cash, into their business cash flow. So find out what they need regarding accounting, tax, bookkeeping, whatever it is, but find out really those essential needs. And then the wants are things that they know they ought to have in place, but they don't have in place yet because maybe they don't have the know-how or they don't have the time and the capacity to do it themselves, but they know that having these things will make a difference for them. So one of the things that are important to them that they would like to have in place, but don't have in place yet, and you can help them with that. And the desires are future focused. What is it that they are looking to achieve over the next 12 months? And why would that make a difference to them? Why is that important to them? The more that you can actually connect your service to that future-focused desire raises the value in that client's eyes. So that's something to think about is when you're focusing on their needs and that wants, that might be more of the compliance side of what you're doing. But when you're understanding that future-focused desire and you're able to educate them about how you can help them achieve that, that's where they're seeing you more as an advisor, a consultant, and it raises your value in their eyes. So those are the three things you want to think about during that value conversation is understanding their needs, their wants, and their desires. After that, you want to think about the common objections that will come up. So what are some of the objections that you would expect to hear from your clients? And once again, please put that in the chat if you want to. But some of the common objections are price. Why are you charging me more? And you need to be able to explain that in a way that is client-centered as opposed to letting them know that your prices prices have gone up for you and that as a result, you need to raise your rates too. They don't want to hear that, but you do want to have something that is client-centered around the pricing. The other thing you want to think they might be asking is what's different? If you're going to raise my fees, what are you going to be doing for me that's more or different? And you want to think about how to answer that. And then the other thing is they might need to think about it. And when you're doing that and they, you hear that they need to think about it, it's usually one of two things. Either they really aren't interested in continuing to work with you and that they're thinking about moving on, but they just don't want to tell you in the conversation because it feels like that would be confrontational or create friction. Or it might be that they don't fully see the value of continuing on further. They have some questions and they haven't asked those questions. So you need to be able to understand what those questions are that they might have, but haven't asked yet. So what I would like you to do is, as you think about meeting with your clients, think about what the top five objections might be for you, because maybe there's some additional ones aside from these three that I have listed. Once you know what those top five objections are, then write out a soundbite of how you would like to answer them. That way, when it comes up, it's not going to throw you off. It's not going to raise your anxiety, or you're going to take it as a no and shut down the conversation. So once again, write out that soundbite. After you do that, then go ahead and practice it out loud, whether it's in front of a mirror, with one of your animals, with a associate that you work closely with that you can go ahead and role play with. This is the most uncomfortable part is practicing it out loud. But the reason I want you to do that is because what you write out as a response and how you actually say it are two different things. 
And when it comes time that this objection comes up, I don't want it to sound canned or rehearsed. I want it to come out naturally from you. So once again, know what your top five objections are, write something out, and then go ahead and do a dress rehearsal where you're practicing your response out loud in order to once you're in the actual conversation, you're able to respond smoothly without hesitation. And then the last part of this is discussing the money part. You have to get to the point where you're discussing the fees and what it is gonna be moving forward. If you're charging an hourly rate, this is where you might wanna consider packages because when you're offering an hourly rate, it's either you move forward with this fee or you move on to some other option. Hmm. And people need to make comparisons a lot of times when they're making a decision. That's how our brains work when you study neuroscience. And the reason that I like offering packages is now instead of them giving you a yes or a no, either they're going to continue moving forward with you or they will move on. When you offer packages, you can offer three options. And that way, they're now looking at the various options and they're going to consider how to continue moving forward with working with you as opposed to if they ought to continue with you or move on. So when you offer packages, they're actually more likely to stick with you, even if you raise your fee your fees because of the fact that they have options of how closely they want to work with you. So that's something to think about is raising rates is something that eventually you want to do because it's going to make a difference for you, your firm, increase your profit margin. You'll work with a better client who actually sees the value of working with you, but you'll do better if you can offer them packages that separate your fees and time in order to give them an option of how to, if they want to work with you and in what capacity. Hmm. So those are the five steps of the raising rates formula with your current clients is you want to send out some type of communication. You want to get that communication that you want to get something on the calendar to meet with you. You want to have a value conversation with them, which is the meeting itself. You want to go ahead and prepare for some objections that might come up and then you want to discuss the payment part of what the fees are for moving forward. When I first connected with Rihanna, she's a people pleaser and likes to say yes to everyone and everything. She, she doesn't want to have a conversation that might have pushback or where she might feel that someone's not going to uh, want to work with her and they're going to be disappointed about something. So she made it very, very easy for people to say yes with her. As a result of that, she worked with a wide range of accounting professionals. I'm sorry, she worked with a wide range of clients and industries. They were like all over the place. It wasn't very efficient for her. And also, they were very, very price sensitive where they were challenging her invoices and how much time she spent on things. And she felt like she needed to negotiate her rates at times or even lower her invoices. So as a result of that, what we did is we went ahead and we focused on who she saw as her highest value client and how to be more efficient in her firm. What we did is we also created packages she had a silver, gold, and platinum, and she focused on the restaurant industry. That was because she was working for 20 years at a corporate level in a 
franchise restaurant, and she knew the accounting aspects that restaurants needed. We went ahead and developed the three packages for uh, people that were in the industry and how she was able to serve them. And as a result of that, she was enrolling a better client because she was focusing on a niche now, she was able to be more efficient with her workflow, which meant that she was able to increase the profitability of her services, and it also increased her revenue. So she got back her time, and this meant that no longer did she need to put the kids to bed, run back to her computer to do more work. This meant that she was actually able to now spend Fridays with them and go on field trips with them, be more involved in their after-school activities, and really be available not only for her clients, but she had better boundaries, which meant that she could be more available for her family as well. So if you were able to increase your revenues, once again, you were working with a client who valued you, you got back your personal time, what would that do for you? Well, we have our next poll question. How interested are you in talking with Lauren about raising your rates? I'd like to schedule a 15 minute consult with Lauren. This looks interesting. I'd like to find out more, or I'm not interested at this particular time. Once again, how interested are you in talking with Lauren about raising your rates? I'd like to schedule a 15-minute consult with Lauren. Uh, this looks interesting, and I'd like to find out more, or I'm not interested at this particular time. And, and Lauren, you know, you really shared a lot, and I think that a lot of them can get started but I think that there are some who are ready to get this done and they don't want to figure this out on their own. What do you recommend for our listeners who would like to talk with you further? Well, first of all, what we covered today is the number one profit solution. Then we went into the formula and we wrapped up with how to convert existing clients. That is what we did today. And if you find that this resonated with you, you were able to get some insights from this and one action tip that you can immediately implement. And you want to be able to raise the rates with your clients and have your prices reflect the value of your services. Then I put aside some time for complimentary path to profit strategy sessions. And these do have a $500 value, but they are complimentary. If you feel that this resonates with you and you want to actually get this done, then you can reach out to me at businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash let's talk. I did put that link in the chat as well. It's businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash let's talk. And I also want to say, I appreciate you taking time to, uh, to stop working in your business. I know how busy you are doing the client work, serving your clients. So stepping away from working in your business, joining us today to work on your business getting an actionable tip that you can immediately implement, raising the bar of services that you offer your clients. I believe that that is an advanced move. So thank you so much. I appreciate you for joining us today and look forward to talking with you further. This concludes today's presentation. As a reminder, if you're watching or listening to our show on YouTube, Facebook, or elsewhere, you can earn credits by going to cpetoday.com and passing a brief five-question quiz. If you're a new watcher or listener to our show and you'd like to earn a credit, you can do so for free by using coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout. You can make today's class or any other class of your choosing 100% free with this code. 
please consider reaching out and connecting with us on social media. You can subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook and more. Feel free to leave us a comment. Also, please consider subscribing to our show wherever you happen to receive your content, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and others. Thank you so much for being here. We look forward to seeing you back at the office the next time around.